and 2000 UTC. Good evening and welcome to South Sudan Focus on the Voice of America. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington working on this program via remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Thursday, January 5th, 2023. The Sudan People's Liberation Movement in opposition is criticizing President Salva Kiir for revoking the appointment of the Speaker of Jongole State Legislative Assembly. It is a violation to the agreement uh, which gave us as an uh, SPLMIO the leadership the right to recommend uh, any members to assume a certain position. In a row between factions of the Episcopal Church of South Sudan in Bor has spread to a refugee camp in northern Uganda. In one of the churches where they went, they met some youths who are members of that church and had some misunderstandings with them, which ended up with the police shooting We will have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The Sudan People's Liberation Movement in opposition criticized President Salva Kiir for revoking the appointment of one of its members as a speaker of the Jongole State Legislative Assembly. The SPLM-IO Director of Information says Kiir's decision was unilateral. Deng Deng has the details for VOA from Bor. In a decree read on the state-run TV, President Salfaki revoked the appointment of Amir Atanyalier as the Speaker of the Jonglei State Legislative Assembly. In his statement Tuesday night, Kir did not name an immediate replacement for Alier. Kir appointed Alier to the post in 2021. In accordance with the power-sharing arrangements enshrined in the country's 2018 revitalized peace agreement. Pork Both Baluang, the information director in the SPLMIO, which is the main opposition party signatory to the revitalized peace agreement, criticized Kir's action. The decision of President Salva Kiir to revoke the appointment of the right honorable uh, speaker of Jongle State Amer, Achenya Lir, uh, it is a unilateral decision by the president and the, and the SPLMIO leadership did not recommend that. It is a violation to the agreement, uh, which gave us, as an uh, SPLMIO, uh, the leadership, the right to recommend uh, any members to assume a certain position based on uh, our ratios in the power sharing or chapter one. Uh, it is a grave violation to the agreement, and it is uh, unprecedented. Baluang says the SPLM-IO leadership, led by first Vice President Riek Machar, was surprised by Kir's decision. He calls it a flagrant violation of the 2018 agreement. The right procedure is that the parties which that member uh, belong to will be uh, the party to recommend his or her appointment or vice versa, not other parties. We cannot uh, now uh, uh, revoke appointment of a, of a member of an SPLM IG or so on. The same thing that the, the president cannot revoke uh, an appointment of any member from the SPLM IO without 
the recommendation of the leadership of the SPLMIO. He released the Sudan People's Liberation Movement in Government, or SPLMIG. Balwan calls on Kir to withdraw his decree, saying such decisions might jeopardize the implementation of the agreement and the new roadmap the parties agreed to last year. Uh, we urge the president to call back that decision, and also we urge the SPLMIG to respect the agreement and also to adhere to the implementation of the agreement in letter and spirit and to adopt a collegial uh, uh, spirit uh, and to so that we can move forward smoothly regarding the implementation of the chapters of the agreement. Balwang says the revitalized peace agreement is a transformative document that paves the way for the needed reforms to the government institutions. He says a commitment by all the parties to respect and implement the agreement is the only way to bring sustainable peace for the people of South Sudan. Repeated efforts to reach President Kir's office for comment were unsuccessful. Here's SPLMIG and several opposition groups signed the revitalized peace agreement in 2018, ending years of civil war that killed hundreds of thousands of people. But its provisions, including the formation of a nationally unified army, remained largely unimplemented. In August last year, the SPLMIG and the other groups that signed the agreement, including the SPLMIO, agreed on a so-called roadmap to extend the transitional government for two years until 2025. Under the roadmap, the parties should conduct elections by December 2024. For VOA News, I am Ding in board. A row between factions of the Episcopal Church of South Sudan in Bor has spread to a refugee camp in northern Uganda. A refugee community leader says the incident happened yesterday following a visit by Bishop Moses Anur, a rival of Bishop Ruben Akurdit, who was defrocked more than a year ago. The community leader says the bishop's visit divided Christians, which led to clashes between the police and some youths in one church. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar has more from Juba. Ugandan police shot and wounded one South Sudanese refugee in Numazi refugee camp on Wednesday as a row between factions of the Episcopal Church of South Sudan in Boris spread to Uganda. Police officials say the wounded refugee tried to grab a gun from the police. Okuja Dennis Peterson is the assistant police commissioner for Northwest Nile region. It is true there was uh, some stuff for there they were rioting. Uh, on the issue of the bishops. So one even tried to to, to, to fight with the police. He would remove the gun from the police. That's when he was shot on the, on the side. Now, right now, it's in the Argumani Hospital. Nyang Aluel, chairman for the Refugee Welfare Council 3, says youth in one of the churches clashed on Wednesday with the Uganda police ahead of a planned visit by the Archbishop of Jongle Internal Province of the Episcopal Church of South Sudan, Moses Anur, and Bishop Zakaria Manyong Biar of Wangule Diocese. When the security team was sent on ground to assess the security situation and make a preparation for these bishops to visit the settlement. In one of the churches where they went to access the situation, they met some youths who are members of that church and had some misunderstandings with them, which ended up 
with the police shooting the youth. One of them was shot on the leg and two others seriously tortured and they were picked up and taken to police stations. Bishop Moses Anuru was elected as Archbishop for Jongle Internal Province in November 2020 after the primate of the Episcopal Church of South Sudan, Justin Badi Arama, defrocked Bishop Ruben Akudit for what he called canonical disobedience. Akurdit has since rejected his removal, saying his hostel continues to divide Christians along sectarian lines, with the deposed bishop Ruben Akurdit seated on the throne in the cathedral in Bor, while Moses Anur remains in Juba. In recent weeks, Anur went on a tour to visit churches under Jongle internal province in the Ugandan refugee camps. Aluel says his visit is sparked chaos among the refugee Christian community in Numazi refugee settlement. Their visit had a lot of issues attached to it, and we foreseen that there would be a serious conflict because refugees who are in this site also hail from that area where these bishops are conflicting. Uh, in the long run, since refugees are divided now, it will be very difficult to reconcile these divided refugees, and especially the religious leaders in these churches. Archbishop Moses Anur denies Alwell's allegations, saying his planned visit to Numazi refugee settlement was sabotaged by Bishop Akurdi's supporters. Actually, these people... Maybe they are siding with, with, with the defrock position. That is what I think because they did not tell me uh, why they don't want me to go there. They were accusing me that uh, uh, they were the police in Kriandongo and then they are accusing me that I'm the commander uh, of the rebels who kill people between Juba and, uh, and Umli Road. I was called by the police and then I went to police. I, I cleared everything and there was communication between South Sudan and the Uganda. I was clear I was not, uh, was not a criminal as they said. I think the same group are the ones who caused this problem. Anur says his visit was successful in Kriadongo, Aruo, Rhinocam, Koboko, Alera and Ailo. However, he says some youth loyal to Ruben Akudit storms and Matthew Paris and destroyed the SAM system, leading to police intervention. Kualo Good, one of the youth who was shot, has a different explanation. We were called to come to the church because there were pastors who had come. When we arrived, we found that the pastor was with the police and the door of the church opened. When we asked, they told us to connect the sound system and leave. We refused and left with the amplifier. We told them to go to the center in St. John. When we left, the priests followed us and held my hand. I pushed him back and he told those police to intervene. Good denies allegation that he tried to grab a gun from a police officer. He also denies taking sides in the conflict between Archbishop Moses Anur and Ruben Akudit. Bishop Ruben Akudit says Anur has violated procedures to bring the church conflict to an amicable aim. Uh, the people, uh, Bishop Moses Anur, with the Kriyamanyam Biyar, and they used to be only They went to Uganda to, to hire the government of Uganda 
to to move with them in camps, intermediating our people in refugee camps. And uh, that one is very important. I can be not respect the government and then they, they go and cooperate, cooperate with the government of Uganda. This is not the first time of shooting in connection to the Anur Akudit power struggle in the Episcopal Church. Last January, Bishop Moses Anur and his two other colleagues in the ECSS, Jongle Internal Province, survived an assassination attempt when an armed youth group, allegedly loyal to Ruben Akudit, attacked them at St. Peter's Church in Bors Langbar area. No one was hurt. For VOA News, I'm a young David Mayor in Juba. Here in the U.S., the House of Representatives was adjourned until 8 p.m. Wednesday after three additional rounds of voting in the chamber failed to select a speaker, a prerequisite for lawmakers to conduct any business of government. VOS Chief National Correspondent Steve Herman has more. The second consecutive day of the ordeal to select a House speaker began with the chaplain, Margaret Grun Kibben, asking for divine guidance. Even as we seek to establish this new Congress, remind us that we have a building not constructed by human hands. In our momentary distress, may we never lose sight of your divine hand that guides our own nation. Kevin McCarthy, a California Republican, saw a hard-line faction of his caucus continue to spurn him in the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds of roll-call votes. Earlier, former President Donald Trump on social media called for lawmakers to vote for McCarthy, but it did not alter the outcome from Tuesday's initial three rounds. One of the Republicans opposing McCarthy, Colorado's Lauren Boebert, said Trump should instead pressure the Californian, supported by a majority of House Republicans, to abandon his quest. Even having my favorite president call us, and tell us we need to knock this off. I think it actually needs to be reversed. The president needs to tell Kevin McCarthy that, sir, you do not have the votes and it's time to withdraw. Before departing the White House for a visit to Kentucky, President Joe Biden told reporters Wednesday morning the mess in the House is an international embarrassment. This is not a good look. It's not a good thing. It's the United States of America. And I hope they get their act together. Democrat Hakeem Jeffries of New York consistently has received the votes of all 212 Democrats, but cannot secure a majority with his caucus alone. Up to 20 of the most conservative Republicans have voted for other members of their party, denying McCarthy the majority of voting members needed to select the next speaker. The House Speaker is second in line to the presidency. Steve Herman, VOA News, Washington. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, Tanzanian opposition groups welcome a move to lift the ban on political rallies. Find out more after this break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today... Do you believe in faith? Yes, I do believe in faith. I do believe that once 
you have been given a particular purpose, fate will definitely make you get into it, whether you tend to the negative or the positive direction. Eventually, you get to achieve what has been planned for you. Sometimes I do because there are sometimes opportunities that comes unexpectedly, but sometimes I don't believe in it because everything is possible. I don't believe in faith because I think once in life, no matter the family or your background, things can change. Your life has not been arranged in a certain way that you had to, no matter what, follow that trend. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. Somali authorities say two bombings targeting officials have killed at least 15 people yesterday in the central Hiran region. Mohammed Daisana reports from Mogadishu, Somalia. The double suicide attack took place in the town of Mahas early Wednesday morning. Mahas is a town in Hiran region about 300 kilometers north of the capital Mogadishu. Mohammed Mohammed Halane, the mayor of the town who spoke to state-run television, said the attacks consisted of two car bomb blasts targeting his house and the residence of a member of the federal parliament, Mohammed Abukar Jafar. He said the attacks resulted in multiple casualties. He said the anti-beast terrorists have attacked the town this morning with two car explosions. One blast occurred in front of my house, and there are deaths and injuries. Islamist militant group Al-Shabaab claimed responsibility for the attack. The group said the attacks targeted the main government base in Mahas. Local residents who talked to VOA by phone described the attack as one of the biggest explosions they have ever had. The attack triggered condemnation from local and national government officials. Mohammed Ibrahim Walimu is a member of the federal parliament elected from the region. He told VOA by phone that the attack Wednesday shows that the enemy, mean Al-Shabaab militants, has given up and are reduced to carrying out only He said their main purpose of doing this is to undermine the great progress that has been made in the ongoing liberation and recent victories. I sent my condolences to victims and wish the injured people a quick recovery. He called on the public to continue working with the army until Al-Shabaab is defeated. Somali government forces, backed by local clan militias, have recently liberated large swathes of territories, mainly in the state of Hirshabele, from Islamist group which has battled the government and African Union peacekeepers in Somalia since 2007. Somali President Hassan Sheikh Mahmoud declared an all-out war against the militants last year. Al-Shabaab has since carried out deadly bombings in the capital Mogadishu, including a devil attack on Somalia's education ministry that killed more than 100 people, mostly civilians. Mohamed Daisane, VOA News, Mogadishu, Somalia.
A spokesperson for Tanzania's main opposition, Chadema Party, says it welcomes President Samia Saluhu Hassan's move to lift the ban on opposition rallies. The prohibition was imposed six years ago by the late President John Magafuli. But when rescinding the ban on Tuesday, President Hassan said opposition parties can hold rallies if they inform the police ahead of time. John Morema is Chedema's Director of Protocol Communications and Foreign Affairs. The announcement of President Samia Sulu Hassan yesterday that she has lifted the ban on political rallies, we have received it. We know it is because of the long negotiations we had with her for the last seven months or so. And so we are glad that they have reached that angle. And it's an opportunity we've missed for so long to go and talk directly to our people in the villages. We were only using social media network to reach out to our people, but now this opportunity we are going to use it to reach our people directly. Now, the president in lifting the ban on rallies said that uh, it is now the responsibility of the political parties to inform the government agencies during such gatherings. How is this different from the past? Have you not been requesting permission from the authorities before? Uh, in our laws, specifically political parties law and uh, the police and auxiliaries act, political parties are supposed to inform the police 48 hours before any public rally. And this has been there even before 2015. It has been there since the introduction of multi-party politics in Tanzania, 1992. So this we are used to. And the reason behind is that so that the police, they can give a security to ensure that the political rally is uh, peaceful. So this is a, not a new thing. It's something which has been there since 1992 after the introduction of multi-party politics. We understand the political parties also had a meeting with the president. Can you shed light on some of the issues discussed with the president? Among the issues which were discussed is to uplift the ban on political rallies, the need to restart the project of new constitution, which was there up to 2014 when it was suspended until today. And also the need to have a change of laws, particularly political parties' laws, police laws, election laws, and many other issues were discussed. And uh, we think, as the president promised that she's going to take care about it, she will form a committee and she will involve stakeholders, including political parties, on the reform on laws and getting a new constitution. We are expecting that she's going to honor her promise and then we can move forward as a one nation until we get a new constitution. So what do you think uh, the lifting of the ban on political rallies mean for Tanzania in terms of uh, moving forward for democracy in the country? The lifting of the ban on political rallies, it's an opportunity for Tanzanians because we have been denied this right freedom of assembly for the last eight years because it was announced by the late president magufuli of 2016 that's when the ban was introduced by the late president magufuli until today 2022 it is eight years without having this fundamental freedom of assembly which is constitutional so this 
uplifting of the ban will give us another chance as Tanzanians to meet, to have a freedom of assembly and to discuss various issues, political, economical and social issues which are affecting our people in political rallies. So we are going to utilize it very effectively so that we can form a more informed and a democratic society because our people now have the chance to meet directly to discuss with their leaders on various issues. That's John Morema, Director of Protocol, Communications and Foreign Affairs for Tanzanian Opposition Group, Chadema. He was speaking with my colleague, James Batty. And that's all we prepared for you this Thursday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Bakindo Azande by Amy J. Yore.
Listening to MEJ Yore and the song Bakindo Azande. I am your host, Nabil Biajo, in Washington. Thanks for taking the time to be with us.